What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show. My guest today is Daniel Kim. Out of Korea, he operates his own YouTube channel, DKTV. He covers Major League Baseball. You saw him on ESPN's KBO coverage last year. And we're going to talk about the All-Star Game, Shohei Otani, and some of the work he's doing to grow the game. Hope you enjoy it. Um, coming to you in the rarest occasions, I think it's a day after a major event and we can all agree that major league baseball has done something correct. This is a league that takes a beating 364 days a year, but for one day we can kind of bask in how they did it right from moving it out of Atlanta, making the right call there, in my opinion, to setting it up. The home run derby was an event unlike it has been in recent years, largely due to Shohei Otani, who was not only a starting pitcher for the American League, but led off. And I think that my impressions of the game, it was a fun one. The access was really interesting from Fox. And I, I kind of paused at one point and I, and I was just taking count of how many young, exciting stars under the age of 25 were on the field and how many of them have this big, boisterous personality that so many people have been clamoring for, and maybe we're getting a little bit closer as a baseball community to accepting and elevating and using to grow the game. So what were your thoughts watching last night's game and kind of like the state of baseball right now? Because it does seem like we're kind of at a high point. Well, definitely a different energy to it. I noticed um, home run derby was great. Uh, we saw Bobby Shett showing up in shorts and a t-shirt. That was a, a, a def, definitely a different feel to it. Uh, Fernando Tatis showing up in a pink suit. Very fun, uh, very different. Uh, energy was definitely great. Obviously, I'm in Korea, so what I feel, what I see is somewhat limited. But uh, course field looked awesome, and uh, the game was fun. 
And I think it was uh, a, a really, really good put together event uh, by Major League Baseball. The on-field uniforms were still questionable, but overall, as a fan, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that there was an excitement and an energy and a nod toward the youth movement. And at the forefront of that, we have this transcendent player in Otani who is doing things not so much that Babe Ruth did because he's doing them better. And I brought him up to my father yesterday, kind of an anecdotal story who hasn't been following baseball. And I kind of explained the situation to him. And it's like, yeah, everybody's saying he's the next Babe Ruth. And his response, which I think was really correct was, well, what he's doing is far more impressive than Ruth in the age of specialization. And then also the level of competition that he's playing and, you know, going along with that he is an international player and we're drawing the best talent from all around the world you look at the mvp the closer um the winning pitcher all from different countries so i think it just speaks to he is by far the most talented player in the world and we're kind of running out of adjectives and ways to describe what he's doing in real time and i wonder if it'll be five or six years down the road for us to truly appreciate, oh my God, what have we just witnessed over this stretch? Oh, you're, you're completely right. And uh, it seems as though he's uh, someone that we could find in a video game, uh, some, some cartoon. Uh, it doesn't seem real. Uh, I remember seeing uh, Shohei Otani when he was in high school. He came to Korea and played in one of the tournaments, and uh, he definitely stood out back then. But uh, back then, he was in high school, so we weren't, I wasn't quite sure what kind of future uh, was uh, waiting for him. But for, for us to see him uh, putting it together at the highest level is really amazing. Uh, just like you mentioned, this isn't, uh, we haven't seen a player like this in more than 100 years. So uh, I, I, I am embracing his. Uh, season. I am really enjoying it. Uh, fans here in Korea and definitely over in Japan, uh, we're all getting into it. And I think that um, he's, uh, I think he's league, uh, in a league by himself. Um, so uh, he's, I think he has a, a chance to really take Major League Baseball uh, in a global stage to a, a, a completely whole new different level. And I think we're just beginning to see the uh, beginning of that uh, process. Right. And I guess that will kind of go to the other big story that surrounded the all-star game, which I think was regrettable, but I think largely got to a place um, that was more constructive uh, than where it began. And that's Stephen A. Smith's comments on Otani made on first take Monday, where he essentially said, it's not good for major league baseball that the number one star does not conduct interviews does not conduct publicity in English, which is the native language here. And he said that that was a detriment because it's going to probably put um, a governor, I think, on his star. And you saw that response was swift and fairly widespread. There were a lot of people at ESPN who spoke up, either subtweeting him directly at him. I think that the response was very unusual when a type of situation arises like this and whether it be the internal pressure, the public pressure, whatever it was, Smith kind of changed course, 
He apologized for what he said. And on the next day, first take was really good. The first hour was really good, in my opinion, by bringing in alternate voices. June Lee showed up and he was fantastic. Jeff Passan came on and kind of gave context and definitely a more nuanced look at what type of player and person Otani is, and also kind of laid out how this idea that Smith whether he meant to say what he did or whether it came out clumsy, this idea that a player from Asia cannot be baseball's number one star and that they need to assimilate and conduct interviews in English, I think is an old idea. It's been around since foreign players started coming over the States to play baseball. So I was just kind of curious what your reaction was initially to the comments and how you thought the conversation moved forward to a point where maybe people got more out of it? Well, I was uh, disappointed and uh, a shock uh, in a way, uh, because I think uh, the way uh, things are happening in the world, it's definitely uh, different now. I think, uh, you know, we have a, uh, 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 you could make a 15 second video and you could become an influencer, you could become a star. Uh, and that's the type of uh, world that we're living in right now. And, and, and for Stephen A. Smith to say those words were very disappointing. But uh, I, think, I think in a way that this opportunity gave the, uh, gives an Asian American community a chance to really uh, speak our minds. And uh, I think I completely agree with what John uh, Jun Lee said uh, on ESPN yesterday that uh, I think uh, stars come in different shapes. I think they come in a, from a different background. And I think uh, I think the sky is the limit for Shohei Otani. And to hear those words from Stephen A. Smith, where he actually used the word harmful, I think was very inappropriate. And I was really disappointed. And uh, I think Shohei Otani, we're just beginning to see what he can do uh, as a baseball player and, and also as a face of Major League Baseball. And I think sky's the limit. And for someone to put a limit to what Ashoe Otani can be in the future, uh, I definitely do not agree with what he said. Uh, but uh, having said that, I, I, am, I am excited that Ashoe Otani uh, is leading the charge and I'm expecting big things from him going forward. Yeah, I wonder if it was particularly hurtful to you personally because you've done such great work trying to grow the game, both the Major League Baseball game in Korea and Korean baseball over here in the States and kind of seeing baseball as this universal language. Like, I think that is the best part about it. Like my, my relationship in, in understanding your work started with KBO when Major League Baseball was on hiatus and trying to figure it out last year and ESPN brought you and, and a great team over to, to introduce us to this new style of ball. And to me, that sparked something where I realized I love baseball, even if I don't know the players. And I love this new brand of baseball. It was very fun and seeing how different different cultures play the game, different approaches to the game. I play in a Sunday league that's international where I'm one of the few English speakers on my team. Uh, it's primarily Dominican and Puerto Rican. And that is certainly played in a different way than I grew up playing, which was kind of a constricted, constipated way. And I've learned to lean into the joy of that. So I just wonder if it's 
if it if it grows tiresome to have these limitations placed on 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 um, ideas and, and movements by people who really haven't done the work and understand the full landscape like you have. Well, um, I started working for uh, for the Mets back in the uh, late nineties. Uh, uh, we had a handful of Korean players at the major league level at that time, those years. And uh, when they first came to to the United States and uh, into the major league clubhouses, uh, you know, there were some awkwardness. There were some period of adjustments, but uh, in overall, uh, they were welcomed. There were some few misunderstandings here and there, but overall, uh, I feel that a lot of the Korean players, when they came to the United States, they were welcomed. And um, I think uh, I think world is changing. I think uh, we're living in a world where uh, different cultures more accepted. Uh, just going backwards, uh, you know, Michael Jordan in his prime years, he was the biggest star in Korea. He, I don't believe he actually ever came to Korea, but he was the biggest star. He definitely doesn't speak any Korean, but he was still a star. There's something to his, uh, you know, his play his passion, uh, his talent just doesn't need an interpreter or, or needs a uh, translator. Same thing can be said for Shoei Otani, but it's a different, uh, but it's a reverse order. Uh, uh, an Asian player going to United States and becoming a star, uh, taking over the league. And I think that's very natural. I think there is a different ways to communicate language, talking, being able to do interviews is a one way, but I don't think that's the only way for Chuei Otani or any player to uh, connect with the fans uh, and to put a limitation, just like you mentioned. Uh, having an interpreter, uh, I was an interpreter myself at, with a Major League Baseball club for a long time. Yes, it does pose some sort of some sort of a limitation, but I think uh, we live in an uh, age where there are several different ways to communicate and connect with fans. Uh, having an interpreter, I think, uh, I think it's a good thing for Shoei Otani right now. But just like I said, this is just the beginning of Shoei Otani's career at major league level. You look at uh, someone like Darvish Yu, who doesn't use an interpreter anymore. So maybe we'll get to a point where Shoei is going to feel comfortable. Um, I'm sure he would like to have his friend interpreter have it, uh, help him keep his job, but at the same time, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if Shoei Otani uh, ends up not needing an interpreter going forward. So um, I think uh, I'm not too sure if I'm answering your question, but uh, I think uh, uh, the possibilities are limitless, and um, I, I, am, I am excited that uh, Shoei Otani um, has what, what he has been able to accomplish in his uh, short time at, at the major league level. I think there's a misconception too when it comes to interpreters. It's there's many different reasons why a player would choose to use an interpreter outside of they don't know the language. Can you speak to why someone would make that choice and, and what an interpreter provides in terms of comfort and what kind of uh, benefits and different reasons people would choose to go through an interpreter? Okay, well, I'll give you an example. I was an interpreter for Jay So who pitched for the Mets uh, and also uh, Pyongyang Kim who pitched for several teams. And when it comes to baseball conversations, they understand pretty much everything. They don't really need an interpreter when it comes to 
talking about baseball strategy. Um, you know, they understand the words. At some time, when, in, in meetings that I attended with, uh, with the players, there were times when I had a hard time understanding all the strategies because these were all baseball player languages, right? Words, phrases. There, I would miss here and there, and I would have to double check with the pitching coach. But by then, they fully understood what was being said and what was being communicated to them. So, when it comes, when it comes, when it becomes closed doors, when it comes to having baseball conversations, uh, I'm sure it's the same case with Shohei Otani as well. They understand every, um, not everything, but most of the important information. But when it comes to talking to the media. Uh, being on the, uh, whether it's ESPN or MLB Network in a live setting, that's a whole new different ball game. Uh, you know, you, you, you could make mistakes, you could pick wrong, uh, you could pick, uh, you know, some words uh, can be misinterpreted in a way. And uh, I think when it comes to media, I think that's when a lot of these Asian players feel a little bit timid or intimidated uh, to be able to conduct an interview without an interpreter. Um, so I think um, uh, to answer your question, uh, interpreters are needed uh, mostly when it comes to media settings. And unfortunately, that's the only time when fans get to hear from the players. But uh, I think that it, they all need some time to be able to, I mean, for anyone to be able to be on a live TV, whether it's CNN or ESPN on a national TV, that in itself, uh, is extremely, uh, it's not easy. It's, you know, people become nervous, uh, you know, they, they go stutter. I mean, you could have all kinds of things happening. So I think uh, that just needs a time. But uh, having said that, I think Shohei Otani's got a great interpreter on his side. So um, I think, uh, I think there's nothing wrong with the way things are with Shohei Otani, whether it's having an interpreter or, whether um, whether doing any kind of interviews, I think everything's perfect right now for 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 him right now. And I think we're so myopic and self centered as Americans, largely that we don't appreciate that these players are not only dealing with the American media; they are dealing with a crush of media in their home country. What is it like for a player to juggle those two spheres? Because we might think that the coverage of Otani is intense here. I'm sure it's tenfold in Japan. I caught that during the home run derby, they weren't even showing the other batters. They were showing him down in the basement taking BP, which I think is, is really interesting. And we've seen this from everybody that's, that's come over. How hard is it to juggle the two spheres? And do you find a player ever having trouble balancing which audience to serve? That's a, uh... Very interesting question. Let me tell you this. Back in 2019 in Cleveland, I was at the All-Star Game. Uh, there was a huge truck outside, one by uh, ESPN, the other one by MLB Network. And there was another truck from NHK, uh, which is the rights holder for Major League Games uh, in Japan. So they actually have a huge presence. I, I wasn't in Colorado yet, uh, yesterday, so I don't know how things were at, uh, at this year's All-Star Game. But back in 2019, Shohei Otani wasn't part of the All-Star Game, but they had guys like uh, Masaya Tanaka was, uh, was, uh, was an All-Star in 2019. So 
Uh, that's how big of a uh, major league is uh, content-wise here uh, in, in Asia, uh, in Japan, and in Korea as well. So uh, just like you brought it up, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, Shohei Otani is pretty much LeBron James and uh, Michael Jordan combined. Maybe you could uh, say that he's Tiger Woods as well, all three of them combined. So um, the responsibility and the, uh, the attention that he gets is... Uh, uh, I guess triple the amount that 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 you would expect from a normal uh, superstar at a major league level. Um, when the, when they conduct that, when they when when you do post game interviews, you do a first set of interviews with American writers, and then they have another set of uh, a Zoom call uh, with the Japanese writers as well. So it's double the work, double the attention, maybe triple the attention than a normal Major League ba Baseball player would get. But uh, that's the responsibility that these players are, you know, that's their responsibility to be able to not only communicate with the fans in the States, but also fans in the back home. So uh, it is what it is. And uh, a lot of them do enjoy it. Uh, but I think that it could, become, uh, it could become a lot of work for them at the same time. And just to put a bow on, on what happened with Stephen A. Smith, this is in no way to endorse his comments, but there's an interpretation of what he said that he was speaking about the inability of the mass American audience to accept a foreign player, to accept a Japanese player as the face of baseball that you could read that maybe he was saying it's a fan base and it's a viewership who's not ready for that. I'm going to assume that you disagree with that, but if, if so, do you think that is a, is a change? Was America ready 10 years ago? What do you think uh, the timeline is for the receptiveness for a Japanese player to be the face of major league baseball? Well, I certainly respect other people's opinion just because they have different opinion. I don't think they're necessarily wrong. Uh, but at the same time, just like keep mentioning, we li we're living in a different world. Uh, let me just say that I grew up in New York in the 90s. And uh, uh, those years, uh, listening to Korean music was an embarrassing thing to do. Um, not that many people enjoyed Korean food back then. But right now, we have a group called BTS that's taking over billboards. Uh, that's taking over the music industry, and 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 you want and when you one of the member on BTS speak English, a lot of their songs are in Korean, and yet they're able to relate to the fans in America. They become one of the biggest stars. Uh, uh, I know that this is uh, BTS has nothing to do with baseball, but uh, they become uh, one of the top, I guess, uh, bands in the uh, in in the whole world. So. Having said that, I re I understand in some capacity what Stephen A. Smith is trying to say, but uh, I think the language barrier, uh, I think that's somewhat overrated in this age. Uh, I think uh, it's something that's easily can be overcome with just a, a sheer talent, uh, what you do on the field as a baseball player. And I think that's uh, that's more stronger than what you could be able to say in front of a camera or a microphone. And I think Shohei Otani is just proving that right now. So um, I think uh, it's, uh, I, I, I understand what Stephen A is, is 
A. Smith uh, was trying to say, but I think to put a limit on someone like Shoei Otani is not really the, um, I guess, the right thing to do. I'm not too sure exactly how I should I could phrase it, but yeah, I mean, that's how I'm, that's how I uh, that's how I'm looking at it right now. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsors. Summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod? You're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with the trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's FANSIDED20. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to an advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch which can engage a travel lock and the ability to turn the 4,000 LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. So Daniel, one of the things that I admire is you, I think you are such an impressive self-starter. I have so much respect for what you've built by yourself, uh, being an independent journalist and, you know, amassing this following. What has been your biggest thrill um, in the Major League Baseball arena? I know that you had some trouble getting access to games earlier this year, but how are you continuing to do the work that you do from over there? Um, well, I'm just giving everything I've got when it comes to creating content, when it comes to uh, creating baseball content. Uh, you got to keep in mind that most of the Major League Baseball fans in Korea don't get to come, go to the United States and actually attend a single Major League Baseball game. So I'm trying to co- create a content uh, for the fans here in Korea uh, to be able to get them closer to Major League Baseball. Um, so uh, that's what I've been doing for the last, I guess, five, six years. Uh, I've worked with the uh, rights holders, networks here in Korea, but uh, I felt as though um, I could do a lot more just working by myself. And uh, I've decided not to work with the network. I uh, just decided to start my own media company. I guess following guys like John Boy Media or Cespedes Barbecue kind of uh, inspired me to um, just go out there and and, uh, and 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 just I guess hustle in a way, and that's what I've been doing. Um, I, I it you know my content here, uh, my my major league baseball content in Korea gets the most views. Uh, it's got the biggest channel on YouTube, and also another platform called Naver TV. So I'm really proud of the work that I've done, but. Uh, my job is to not to be uh, an expert, uh, not to become an analyst when it comes to Major League Baseball. I just want to bridge the gap between Major League Baseball and baseball fans in Korea that 
most likely will not get to go to a, attend a single baseball game in the United States. So um, the, that's what's been my focus. And uh, uh, it's been rewarding. I'm getting a lot of good response from, from the fans, good feedback. Uh, fans, uh, you know, they are happy with the work that I've been doing. So uh, that's what I've been doing for the last uh, couple of years. It must be exciting to, as you're growing an audience, I think that the acumen uh, for the game probably increases. So have you seen kind of an in, increase in um, nuance or whatever of the way the game is discussed? Is it fun to watch your fans learn more and more about the major league baseball game? Maybe like this organization is notoriously cheap, all the little things that you would have to, um, you know, kind of observe for a few years and, and, and dig below the surface of the highlights to find out what's, what's it been like having, um, you know, kind of like more tributaries of conversation to have with your fans as the years go on? Well, the viewers and the fans dictate the teams and the players that I cover or talk about. Uh, I would have to say that just about four or five years ago, the fans here were only interested in Korean players like Shin Soo Chu or Hyunjin Ryu, but that's changed. Uh, if I talk about Fernando Tatis Jr., I get a ton of views. The response is great. If I talk about uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I get, uh, get a lot of views. I get, if I, if I, if I start talking about spider tech or pine tar usage by, I guess, uh, uh, Derek Cole possibly, or talk about Trevor Bauer. I'm getting a lot of good response as well, good, fee uh, good feedback from the fans as well. So I think the game itself, uh, Major League Baseball is, is growing a little bit. Uh, whether when five, three, four, three, four, five years ago, it was mostly about Korean players and what they were doing at the Major League, major league level. But I think the, uh, the interest in Major League Baseball is expanding. Uh, you don't necessarily have to talk about uh, Hyunjin Ryu all the time. Uh, you don't have to talk about Ha Sung Kim all the time. You talk about Trevor Bauer, Gary Cole. You talk about Bobby Shedd. You talk about Freddie Freeman. I'm still getting the same type of uh, response from the fans. So I think that that's very promising. Uh, you just cannot rely on just one or a couple of Korean players. But I think that uh, over the last... Uh, three or four years, uh, the, I guess the interest level is changing. Uh, not only is it getting bigger, but I think that uh, fans here are beginning to see a, a bigger, uh, uh, following the league in a different way than uh, they were like uh, five years ago. This is a very, uh, forgive the term, inside baseball question, but right. I'm fascinated by your schedule because of the time difference. How do you negotiate getting sleep and finding some sense of normal circadian rhythm when games are on at the witching hour or in the middle of the night over there? What, how do you set up your day? I've always been curious about that. Well, I've got my routine. Uh, I guess the, uh, the 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is 8 a.m. here in Korea. So my morning starts around 7 a.m., that's uh, when I get ready and watch games on the East Coast. And then 11 p.m. would be the uh, 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. So that's when I could watch West Coast games. And then I take a few hours off and then I get ready for KBO games around 5 p.m. my time. So I've got the morning time for Major League Baseball. 
evening time for K uh, Korean uh, KBO League baseball. So it's pretty much packed. Uh, but don't feel bad for me. We're talking about baseball here. Uh, I'm not complaining. I enjoy watching baseball. I enjoy uh, creating content for baseball. Um, so uh, it, yeah, it is a lot of work, a lot of talking, a lot of editing, a lot of shooting. But uh, baseball is something that I love. That's probably the reason why I'm able to continue on without feeling fatigued or, or getting sick of it. I, I grew up as a baseball fan, and I'm just uh, uh, grateful that I could actually uh, you know, make a living out of baseball uh, and uh, doing something that I, that I love, following something that I love. And uh, um, that's, been my, um, that's been the story of my life, uh, pretty much. I think we all remember from seeing your shots during KBO broadcast, uh, and I'm looking at it right now, you have an impressive room of memorabilia there. I was curious, what are, what are some of your most special pieces that you have? Um, let's see. Um, I've got um, some bobbleheads, but I've got some dirt from uh, Shea Stadium. Uh, I, I grew up in New York. I only lived only a couple of miles away from uh, uh, Shea Stadium in Flushing. Shea Stadium doesn't exist anymore, but I've got some dirt. I used to, uh, I worked for the Mets starting from 1998 through 2005. So those were a lot of years. Uh, basically my 20s and early 30s were spent in Flushing, New York. So I've got some dirt, uh, I've got some jerseys, uh, but I think if you were to ask me, the one that I cherish the most has to be the dirt from Shea Stadium, which, um, not a lot of people have. What is that in a, like a, but what is that in like a jar? How do you, yeah. how do you maintain that? Let me show it to you. Hold on a sec. All right. Well, doing visual on a podcast, always dangerous, always dangerous. He has a bottle. There's about two inches of dirt in it. Yep. Oh, wow. That's, that's how I caught. Is that from the mound? Yeah, it's from the mound. Wow, look at me. Able yeah. to identify dirt by what part of the ball field it came from. I'm feeling very proud of myself. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, most people don't, uh, don't know that, but yeah, you, you picked it up right away. So in your, in your time there, uh, I have to say, I might be the only person in the world whose favorite baseball player is Ray Ordonez still. Um, in my mind, the best defensive shortstop in terms of flashy plays I've ever seen, maybe not the consistency of an Omar Vizquel. And certainly there was, you know, we don't want to talk about the, the hitting issue. It, it wasn't very good. That's why he, he kind of topped out at about a 238 career hitter or whatever it was. But I just was curious, what was it like to see those plays live? Because I can't imagine and I cannot recall another shortstop who was as creative. Maybe Jose Iglesias is the closest second coming, but what was it like to be able to see Ordonez make those plays live? Well, I remember arguing with my friends in New York. Most of them, most of, a lot of them were Yankee fans, and we would argue constantly about who's better, Derek Jeter or Ray Ordonez. And uh, being a Mets fan, I would, you know, make an art trying to make an argument that. Ollones was more valuable than Derek Jeter, uh, but uh, it was those you know those Mets teams were very special defensively. Remember, uh, Edgardo Alfonso was the second base, Robin Ventura was the third base, and we had John Allroot. Uh, at some point, I remember Sports Illustrated uh, deemed them as the greatest infield ever. Uh, so, um, 
Mets team back then, yeah, we did have Mike Piazza, but it wasn't much of an offensive team. Uh, the defense was something that, you know, we felt really good about the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the player plays that he made, uh, he wasn't a big guy, remember? He was not that big, but he had a great arm. He had some amazing footwork. And, uh, 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 yeah, till this day, I, I would have to say he's the best uh, defensive shortstop the Mets ever had. I know that they have Francisco Lindor right now, but defensive wise i think uh he, by far he's one of the he is the best mets defensive shortstop so funny you mentioned him uh yeah i mean yeah just going back to the 90s yeah i would have some fierce arguments with my friends trying to make a case that he's better than Derek Jeter but uh, i i didn't always win that argument but yeah i had fun arguing yeah i have to be really careful there as uh derek jeter is a, is technically a co-worker um you know we love you jeets kalamazoo michigan right down the road uh but you know you just you did not have the range that ray had um daniel where can where can people find your work uh right now uh you can find on youtube but a lot of my uh youtube work is in korean so i don't know if your korean is not uh maybe you might want to hire an interpreter to be able to watch my youtube but you could look up uh, dktv DKTV on YouTube, uh, or you could always follow uh, uh, follow me on Twitter, Daniel Kim W uh, at Twitter. And I'm also trying to put together a, uh, a, a KBO YouTube channel in English, so that I could uh, uh, you know stay connected with the fans in the states. ESPN decided not to carry KBO this year, but I'm trying to uh, you know stay connected with all the fans all over the world about KBO. All right. Thank you, Daniel, for your time. Really appreciate it. And go Wiz. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Let's go Mets. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.